We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. Um, my name is Steve Perhatch. I'm your host for the day, joined by Sarah Kelleher, Dusty Evely. It is the Oreo Cookie Team. Um, <laughs> take that as you will. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are back for another edition Thursday. It's it's a lot of fun. We've we've got some departures from the Green Bay Packers guys, so we're just going to dive right in. Um, because, you know, every time I ask you how you're feeling, it's, oh, I'm doing pretty good. Well, I'm just <laughs> skipping over that. We're just moving right on. We're getting right into the meat and potatoes everything. Randall Cobb, gone. Clay Matthews, gone. What do you guys think? Like, what's uh, – I, I know there was mixed emotions all over Twitter, but, Dusty, let's start with you because you threw out, like, a huge thread of Randall mm-hmm. Cobb. Like, I think this uh, this affected you deeply. It hit, it hit me hard, man. You know, um, I talked about it to, I don't know, strangers on the street. And definitely I've talked about a ton of my, uh, the other podcast, the impact of the future one I do. Um, I can't remember how much I brought it up here. You know, I went to, um, I went to school at UK university of Kentucky. I've been here living in this area for, uh, you know, 25 years now. So I kind of grew up as a Florida Gator fan. Cause we're kind of living in Florida when I started paying attention to college football, but now, you know, I've kind of adopted the wildcats. And so I've been to games up there. I've been to games up at Commonwealth and all that stuff. And, uh, 
I just, you know, I, I loved Cobb, loved Cobb, loved watching him in college. Um, I knew uh, I, I had friends of mine that were good friends of his, uh, just by all accounts, just a stand-up guy. And so when he came up for the draft, it was kind of this, man, I hope the Packers get him. Man, I hope the Packers get him. And when they didn't get him in the first round, when they drafted um, Sherrod, there's no way he's going to make it to the end of the second round. And he did. We were we were watching that draft on the porch of my parents' house, and we were all just elated, man. And he did not disappoint. I mean, you know, he had uh, kind of after he signed that contract, he had some uh, troubles with injuries and trying to play through those and having some issues, and uh, the production kind of what it wasn't what it was. But he like legitimately one of my all time favorite Packers, and part of that is that I watched him through UK, and part of that is just. Just his attitude, what he brought to the team, the versatility. Um, I mean, he was always he was always just putting it all out there, man. Like he had he had emotion without kind of going over the top of it. He was kind of one of those uh, just just a leader that guys look to. I mean, he's only twenty eight. You know, he's still relatively young, but he's definitely one of the leaders on that squad. Um, you know, Rogers loved him. I just I loved his game. I loved his attitude. Um, I it, it's one of those I I understand. I, I mean, with that money, like the one year five point five million, and the the Packers spending what they spent, that they there's no there's no reason to bring Cobb back. I understand that he's gone. Um, I understand the why he's gone, and it makes sense. I, I zero issue with that. But man, that one hurt. Like of all the departures we've seen recently, Cobb hurt more than anything, just because I've 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 loved his game, uh, you know, all through college, um, and, and then in Green Bay as well. So that one more than more than any other one, the Cobb departure hit me pretty hard. I think that's one of the things I, I really noticed on Twitter is I think people actually kind of understood it. It was, yeah. this is a smart business decision for the Packers. It's what needed to happen, but this just sucks because he was a good, like he was a great guy. He was good for the, you know, for the city, for the state. And he was just, he was a Packer through and through. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to understand that he needs to leave for the, for the business side of things and still be able to mourn the loss of this guy who was just such part of the, part of the Super Bowl team that, you know, was, or was he? No, he wasn't. No, he was drafted in 11. So it was a year after. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, he was just such an integral part of this team. Um, so Sarah, what's your thoughts on uh, Randall being gone? I mean, I feel the same way. Like, as like a young kid growing up, like he was some of the first names like that I remember, like when I really started like getting into football and like watching the Packers games with my parents and like understanding what was going on. He was like one of the first players that I was like, wow, like he, like you said, he was a Packer. Like he made you just feel like, wow, like I'm so passionate about like this team and about like what they're doing and just like everything. So for me, like, I, I get it. Like, I honestly, like, I knew it was coming, yeah. but just, like, seeing it and, like, knowing that we're going to, like, see him in a Cowboys, like, jersey mm-hmm. is just so weird to me. Like, because it's just, like, when I think of him, I think of, like, a Packer. And it's kind of, like, the same thing with, like, Clay Matthews. Like, for me, like, I was like, yeah, like, I don't know if we're going to re-sign him, especially after, like, the past year and, like, just, like, lack of productivity, basically. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was, but again, like growing up, like Cobb and Clay Matthews were two players where it was like, these are some of the first players that I like really watched and paid attention to. Like it was my first group really of like, kind of like as a kid, like idolized like these players and stuff like that. So although I do understand the decisions and I think they're the right decisions, I, it still hurts. Yeah, I mean, it's to- totally understandable. Um, even Rogers came out, uh, put a post on Instagram today about, 
you know, quoted some Shawshank and talking about uh, from from this perspective read of, you know, how some birds aren't meant to be caged. And, you know, I, I miss my friend Andy. It's just one of those, it was kind of cool. Like you just thought about it. And all I could think about in my head was like, man, like those two are going to meet up on a beach in like 10 years. Like somebody <laughs> could just feel the long shot of those two, like walking up to each other and like big smiles and hugs. And I mean, it would just complete that whole thing. But I don't know. I don't know if you saw this. This was later on. This was down in the comments. I think Danica Patrick said something like "gonna miss you, brother" or something like that. <clears throat> and Cobb responded with a, um, "and man, I can't, after you know, after we retire, after you know, in a couple years or whatever, I can't wait to travel the world with you guys." Because that was, I mean, you know, Ma- Matthews was a big part of the team. Cobb, I, I think like Cobb, Cobb and Rogers, by all accounts, were like best friends on that team. Rogers, they were like brothers. yeah, Rogers was in his wedding, and yeah, and I know like. We obviously no one knows what goes on with like Aaron Rodgers family and stuff, but I had seen like every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, like Rodgers a lot of the times was with the Cobbs, like yeah. during the holidays, like he would literally spend like the most like significant holidays that are usually where you're like with your family with uh, Randall and his wife and now their baby boy. So that just like shows you like how close they really are. They were celebrating these holidays together. Yeah, that's they were they were family, and they're they are and they're looking forward to man. They're going to be in different cities, but I mean, they're already it sounds like they're already making plans to travel together. So I mean, you get that you get that bond. Like that's that's cool to see. It sucks he's not in the same city, but that's that that's cool to see. I I, I thought that was awesome. So Randall Cobb going to the Dallas Cowboys on a one year deal. Clay Matthews it broke uh, right near the end of the last when the guys were recording the podcast yesterday. So there was a little bit of touching on it uh, by them, but. Clay Matthews going to the Rams on a two-year deal. We don't have all the details yet, so it'll be really interesting to see what it's worth because the initial reports were two years up to $16.75 million, and that normally screams incentive-laden deal. So I'm going to be really intrigued. I know, Dusty, you were trying to wait on hopefully see if we could break that down, but that's the numbers still haven't come out yet. But I thought that one of the interesting things, too, was that um, it looks like he really wanted to go out to L.A. because yeah. – his um, he, they came out and said that he had gotten some more in, like higher paid deals that on the table, but he just wanted to go to LA. Like his family's out there. That's where he played college ball. Um, so let's do it. Um, let's do some gut reactions to, to Clay being on, and then we'll we'll top that off with uh, what's your favorite Clay Matthews? Uh, I think it's a third Clay Matthews a third mm-hmm. moment. Sarah, kick us off. I mean, he got paid, that's for sure. I mean, <laughs> he secured the bag in that sense. Um, so, I mean, good for him. I I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I mean, like, I would have thought it was a mistake for Packers to give him that much money. So, if the Rams want to give him that much money, like, go for it. Um, I thought it was interesting. I mean, I know that's where he's from. So, like you said, I don't know if that was, like, a pull there. I I don't really like get big into the contract side of things, but I mean I'm happy for him. I will always like wish him the best, and that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean it's it's like you said it's it's uh we don't know what the contract is. It, it, the Steve like you said it, it, up to sixteen point seven five. It screams incentive laden. It screams I assume low guaranteed money. Like I wouldn't be shocked if this comes out and it's like essentially a one year deal with an option for a second. And a whole bunch kind of tied into escalators um, like that. It wouldn't shock me a bit if it's like 
five or six million guaranteed money like that that just would not shock me a bit which is, is if that's for the i mean that's good for that'd be good for matthews you know again yeah he's back home uh he obviously had other offers and he decided to go there. that's cool and i think it's a good move for the rams i mean matthews um a couple things i'll say about matthews you know he he obviously is not the player he once was. Uh, he seems like at this point he's uh, kind of more of a rotational guy. But kind of with the pieces that they've got in L.A., they can afford to kind of give that to him. Maybe keep him a little fresh, uh, put him off the edge, and maybe give him in, in kind of some more pure pass rushing situations. Combine that with some other guys they have, and he's got a, he's got a chance. I mean, that, that, that deal could pan out very well for them. If it's kind of low-guaranteed money. And that Clay, defense and, is monstrous yeah. already. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, that's the thing. He's not the number one option there. Uh, so if he can kind of come in, make some, hey, you know, 20 snaps a game or something, that could be tremendous. Like, he, I think there's, he's still got enough juice left in the tank where he could do that. He's not an every down player anymore. He just can't do that. But you rotational, like, he could give him something. So I think that's, that's, that's good for the Rams. That's good for Matthews. I, that's amazing. Um, uh, you know, a couple, one of the, one of the main things I think about Matthews and Cobb for that matter as well is, you know, they were asked to do a lot of different things on Green Bay. Clay, especially, you know, once they kind of some of his skills started eroding and they were like, you know, he, that's, he was a superstar edge rusher, superstar. Like still, he's the all time sack leader in Green Bay history. But I mean, for a while, he was one of the best pass rushers in the league. They started eroding a little bit. And I know he's kind of got this, he's got this image of, you know, California boy and he's got the hair and, you know, just just very maybe kind of full of himself. They asked that dude to move inside, and he made you you didn't hear complaints about it. There's no noise about that. He played inside when they needed him to play inside. He shifted back outside when they needed him to shift back outside. That's a dude. Yeah, Cobb kind of the same thing. They needed something from those guys, and they did it. And you didn't hear any complaints about it. I mean, that's to me that's huge. And and with again with a guy like the size of Matthews with what he was doing at the time. Uh, that that's that's incredible to me. Um, so yeah, I mean, gut reaction. It's not as severe as Cobb, but he was there. Uh, you know, he was there for Super Bowl. He was just a monster for years, and you know, he had one of the defining plays in that Super Bowl, uh, which is just which was just an incredible play. Um, and of course, you had the Kevin Green that you know it is time. You've got that whole quote <laughs> kind of going into it. You had him, you know, telling Pickett what was going to happen before that fumble to kind of pave that way. It was. Like that play alone kind of cements him in, but I mean, he was he did he did everything they asked him to, did it very very well, and even when his skills eroded, he still found a way to be productive. Um, I'm I'm not surprised he's gone. I kind of hope they'd bring Cobb back. I knew Matthews wasn't coming by back. I made my peace with it. I'm gonna miss him, um, but man, man, he gave us some years. Uh, so it was the, again, like Cobb, right call, absolutely the right call. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm it's it's still sad. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting, but I've heard a couple of people say, and I actually kind of like the comparison of this deal bringing Matthews over to the Rams is slightly like bringing Julius Peppers to the Packers. Yeah, Maybe not yeah. to the exact same level because Julius Peppers, I think, probably still could, was playing at a higher level. But still, I mean, you throw him in as a situational pass rusher and, I mean, running stunts with Aaron Donald, like that's just going to, oh, my God. It's unfair. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I think it's really good. Uh, for me, as far as a favorite moment, I still, um, I still remember the, when they played the Eagles and it was like one of the first plays of the game. And he is just, it was like a, like a Puma coming after his prey. 
and he's just <laughs> running. He's running down Kevin Cobb, and he all of a sudden just wraps his arms around him so he can't, so Cobb can't brace, and he falls and like lands on his head, and I think he might even got a concussion mm-hmm. that pretty much, pretty much ruined his career. Yeah, uh, and that started as Dusty told. We talked about this earlier, but it kind of relaunched Michael Vick into the world. Uh, so I don't know if we should be thanking uh, Clay Matthews for that or what, but it's still just something I remember of like just the big arm, like the bare arms coming around Cobb and not being able to uh, not being able to brace himself and just destroying him. So for me, that's one of my favorite moments of all time for Clay. Uh, Sarah, did you have one at all? Yeah. Um, kind of like we were talking about before, like, I mean, the Super Bowl force fumble is, like, the go-to for everybody. But, like, mm-hmm. the one against the Giants when it was, like, snowing <laughs> in the playoffs a couple years ago where, you know, like, the ball was on the ground. Everybody thought the play was dead. Or, no. Yeah, the ball was on the ground. Then he just completely <laughs> manhandled. I don't even know, like, dude. how to describe it. I just remember watching it, and I was like, what is he doing? Like, why did he just tackle that guy? Like, the play is dead. Like, <laughs> now the like Giants running back is dead too. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And then Clay like picked it up, ran it back, and they were like, "Oh yeah, the play was it was a fumble, touchdown." And I was like, "What?" And that was also like, that's like two memories of like Cobb and Matthews in the same game because that's when Cobb caught the hail mary pass too. So, yeah, yeah that was good. That was a uh, that was his strip sack of Eli Manning. The ball came forward, uh, was at the feet of a running back. He went over and smashed the hell out of him, um, then picked up the football. I think technically, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was two forced fumbles on that play because he forced the Manning one. And I think technically the running back was standing up and had his hand on it. And when Matthews leveled him, that was another forced fumble. So if I'm if I remember this correctly, I think it was technically two forced fumbles by Matthews on that play. One at the behest of I can't remember the the running back. Just yeah. like you said, like he's, was it Harris? I don't. That's I don't. I know can't why remember. Like just lowered his shoulder like, and leveled it. Yeah, he doesn't exist on this earth anymore, Steve. I if don't... that happened to me, like I would legitimately die. Like <laughs> I, I just like wow. I don't know. That's well, what Sarah, I don't know. I don't know if you're aware, but I said that I could block a defensive end better than. Uh, uh, has no one taken Jimmy a, Graham. No one has taken that up on us yet. Steve? I saw no, that, either. and didn't someone say like Julius Peppers should like block you or something? Yes, yes, we're trying uh, to. We're trying to get Peppers. Yeah, we're trying to get Peppers to come out and do it. If we can get a defensive end, I I still maintain the fact. I'm not saying I could block him. I'm just saying I could do it better than Jimmy Graham. I, I would like think... to see it. I don't think that's I, true because you would die and Jimmy Graham hasn't <laughs> died yet. I would like to see it. I didn't get if you guys if you guys can line it up. I want to get a retired guy. I want to get like like Nick Barnett or something out there and just like <laughs> Nick Barnett just lay into you like that. I want to see something like that, you know? That's what I want to see. Where's what's the grave digger up to? What's Gilbert Brown up oh to these God. days? Come on out, buddy. I would die. I would yeah. die at that one. Yeah, that's right. Um so uh clay moment. We mentioned the Super Bowl one. God that Super Bowl one's just tremendous for so many reasons. But my favorite Clay moments are always the ones where he just—I mean, the, both of them that you you mentioned as well, where he just played like his hair was on fire. Like he's just like he looked like he looked like a monster, just an absolute animal out there, just just hunting down the ball and just just ripping it away from people. And so there was the um, we talked about it before. I can't remember who was against. I, I was thinking it was the Giants. Steve, you said it was the Vikings when he just. <laughs> Just like ran down the running back and legit on the sideline ripped the ball away from him and took off in the other direction at 100 percent acceleration. It's incredible. 
He ripped the ball out of Adrian Peterson's hands and just took it back 50 yards. Yeah, like it was nothing. Like, just ripped it out again like he was an animal. Just, like, ripped it. Yeah, just and his hair is, like, blowing yeah. in the wind out of his helmet. Like. Yeah. Yeah, those are the, like those are some of my favorite moments. I just when I think of him, I just think of him playing like an absolute maniac. That's Clay Matthews. The Super Bowl one's great. The Super Bowl one is was kind of more of a mental thing. You know, he's kind of reading the offense. He knew what they were going to do. He kind of manipulated, and uh, obviously a tremendous play. Uh, but yeah, when I think of Matthews, I think of just just an absolute animal in long flowing locks, just destroying everybody. That that, and then I always. The, the other, other thing you ever think of is him on the sidelines with a Gatorade bottle pouring it into his hair. <laughs> I don't know. It's There was always a shot of that in every single game of him doing that and then, like, shaking his head like he's an added shoulders commercial, which mm-hmm. I believe he was, actually. Uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's a, that's my iconic is the uh, yeah, the Gatorade bottle. So, Clay is gone. Cobb's gone. I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, I believe – I, it's it's out there today. Ross Uglum, he actually is one of the guys who does Pack a Day as well. He writes for Cheesehead TV, does a whole bunch of other things too. But wrote an article about since Cobb is now gone, what are the uh, excuse me internal options for the Packers uh, as far as the slot goes? And I thought it was just something that we could touch on because and just get your thoughts as what you guys think because I thought it was a really well done article. He he really explains. Um, every single option that the Packers have. And it's one of those things that all of a sudden you read this article and you're like, well, maybe they don't need to draft somebody right away in like the first or second round in the slot because he breaks it down. And we start off with his first option is Jimmy Graham mm-hmm. is, Hey, let's use Jimmy Graham the way he's supposed to be used. Mike, I think everybody was confused at how they used Jimmy Graham last year. Um, they put him on the line quite a bit to be a blocker uh, when that's not what he does, as we talked about. I could do it better. Um, yeah. He is a receiving type. Oh. He should be out in the slot. He should be put out wide for jump balls. Uh, I mean, use him effectively. So option number one for the slot is Jimmy Graham. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's that's the spot for him. I mean, you can't, you can't just line him up out there. That can't be his sole position, but that is... I am I am of the mind that they used him better last year than the general perception is, uh, but I still think he could be used better. Like, I think his his, his numbers don't tell the whole story of, of, of what he did uh, for that offense, specifically when, when Cobb was healthy. Uh, but, yeah, Graham in the slot, especially in the red zone, makes just a tremendous amount of sense. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, like, there was a few, quite a few times that I just remember from this past season where I'd be watching the game and I'm like, this like we'd be in the red zone and I'm like, this would be a perfect time to just lob it up. Like he's bigger than everyone. Like put him in the slot, lob it up. And he's going to catch the ball 99% of the time, like in that situation. And there were so many times where that happened where I was just like, why aren't we doing that? Like (laughs) he could be used in that sense in, and that would make a significant difference. So I agree. I think it would be a good option. I think it would definitely be something they should look into. And I think, like you, I agree too, Dusty, that like, I mean, I don't think they used him maybe in the best ways, but it wasn't like as terrible as some people like make it seem. But I think it still could be better. Yeah, his usage usage could be more effective. That's probably a better way to say it. Mm -hmm. They used him well in some aspects and some other aspects that probably could be improved, and hopefully LaFleur will get that under control. Um, Option number two, 
Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, and I, I really love this article because Ross breaks down, um, you know, effective plays from for each of these guys when they were in the slot. So it's got some great plays to the point of where MVS is lined up in the slot and you can't come up and press on him because he's fast enough to beat the press. And if you press him and miss, he's gone. And they showed a couple times where that happened. Um, and then if you back off of him, they can just pull it up right away, chuck it to him and let him work because he can get some yards after catch. Um, but Dusty, what are you thinking? MVS, what's a better option? Jimmy Graham or MVS in the slot? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Ross touched on it then at the end of that, where I was kind of thinking the same thing going in. It's funny because I had this internal monologue going uh, when I'm when I'm reading it and going, well, MVS seems like he kind of profiles more as a, as a two, at least a ceiling does, kind of on the outside. And at the end of that, Ross is like, MVS seems like he'd be better as a two. Like, oh, awesome. Okay, cool. I'm as smart as Russ, except I'm not. Um, he I, So I watched, uh, you know, I obviously went through all the passing plays last year. If I'm not mistaken, MVS kind of split evenly between uh, kind of slot and outside. Uh, I've recently, for an, for an article I'm working on that should be up when you're listening to this, uh, today, hopefully, um, kind of uh, about just the nature of option routes and, and why some rookie receivers kind of struggle. Uh, and MVS seemed to be in a lot. I'm going through a whole lot of uh, UC, or USF games from uh, 2017. He was kind of more of, more of an outside guy there. So I'm kind of thinking MVS kind of makes a little more sense on the outside, just his his body type, his profile, like it seems like he, he can be better out there. That being said, I'm kind of with my you don't necessarily need a true slot receiver. You can kind of move guys around. They've got guys they can kind of play around with that for. Um, I mean, if you're kind of – we'll talk – we've got one more guy to talk about. But uh, I think MVS would profile better in the slot than Graham, just his skill set. You know, he's got the size. He's got the speed. He can do all that. Like He can just kill you from the slot. Um, but – yeah, so I, I think MVS can be effective in the slot. I think his better spot is outside. So if I had to, you know, gun to my head, I I think I'd still pick Graham in the slot, MVS on the outside. But, I mean, I'd still give MVS 20% of the snaps from the slot. Okay. No, that makes sense. Uh, so we'll move on next to Equinemia St. Brown. Um, and Sarah will have you talk a little bit about him. But, I mean, I think I this is something that he looks to profile as a large receiver out of the slot, the big slot guy, but he's, he, as Ross said, he's too fast for, um, for linebackers and safeties. Uh, so, I mean, it, it kind of works out pretty well and um, he, he's smart at it, but Sarah, what are you thinking? What do you, what do you like about EQ out of the slot? Um, so when I initially like first, start, like before, when I saw the title of the article itself, like before I read it, he was one of the first people that did come to mind, at least for me. I was like, I feel like his size could maybe like spice it up a little bit. And I just feel like his speed is something in particular that I liked, like when he would run quick routes. And it seemed like when he would go down and try to be a deep threat, like on the outside or whatever, it always seemed like, except for with an exception of a couple times, that he was never on the same page as like everybody else. But when he was running like short, quick routes or and in the slot it seemed like he like had it together seems like he just kind of fit that position a little more I know there was like quite a few times the past season that like Rodgers you could just tell like looked at him like come on man like (laughs) come on like really and so I think he's a great fit to at least try um I would also like we said put Jimmy Graham in the slot as well, but right now those two I feel like would be my two front runners. Very cool. I think I mean it 
after reading the article, it all makes sense. And then Ross even throws in the bonus of Devontae Adams coming out of the slot, which mm. I know Dusty loves. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so if we take the floor, man. You got it. I do love that. I mean, that's something, um, you know, the slot, you know, just uh, without – without getting too simplistic and also without going too far down this road, it's so hard to cover guys from the slot, especially a guy with the footwork of Adams, just because, I mean, you, you go on the outside and that the guy across from you has a couple of different techniques. He can, you know, try to maybe play you to kind of shade you and kind of get you pinned to the sideline or funnel you inside because you can go only so many directions when you're, when you're outside the hashes, when you're kind of running that wide spot, when you're in the slot, you can go anywhere just anywhere. And some of my favorite plays last year, and they kind of did this a little more as the season went on kind of at the midway point. I can't remember what the, what the snap breakdown was, but around the halfway point of the season, there was a game where they had Adams go like 15 times out of the slot. And he caught like, I don't know, nine passes for 90 yards or something. Just, and you would just watch, you would just watch what they would do. And they'd put someone across from him and they would try to jam him. And you can't get a hand on him because you don't know which way he's going. You can't get a hand on him anyway, because his feet are just preposterous, but you really can't, when you don't know which way he's going, you don't really have a good plan against him. He can beat you legitimately in a direction. He feels like beating you out of the slot. So, I mean, that's a guy again, I mean, there's, there's what he brings, what he brings from the outside is just tremendous value, and that's where you want him predominantly. But when they had him in the slot, fifteen, you know, ten to fifteen times a game, he was essentially unguardable. You could do anything you want with him there. So again, I mean, I don't think you necessarily need like a main, you know, having a slot guy, predominant slot guy, is is good. That's awesome. But I don't think you need to be tied. It's it's kind of it's like a not positionless thing because it's a receiver thing. But it's kind of my same problem with the way they kind of treated uh, uh, Montgomery. They treated Ty Montgomery as like, well, he's a receiver. And then when they switched him to a running back, like, okay, he's a running back. Like, no, he's neither. He's 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 both. You use him as a Swiss Army knife. That he's one of those guys. That was the thing that was that always pissed me off about the Cobb Montgomery stuff. You could have both those guys on the field, and you could just freaking go no huddle, and you could legitimately run uh, power run or shotgun spread. And, and defenses could not account for that because you got two guys who could do everything. It's not the same concept, but it kind of is in that you've got all these guys that can kind of switch off. You don't need to think of Adams as an outside guy because he can make hay in the slot. He's just not going to all the time. That doesn't mean he can't do things there. So, yeah, I mean, he's not – I mean, obviously Adams is not the number one slot option. But but when you put him there, he's the best slot receiver on the team. He just, he's got value otherwhere. You can just – Adams – Guys, I don't know if you know this. Devontae Adams is really good. He's, he's just really good, no matter where Devontae he lines Adams, up. Adams, good at football. That's why people listen <laughs> to this. That's why they listen to this podcast, guys. It's because of stuff like that. Because these these hard hitting analysis that we give them, like Devontae Adams is good at football. Do you think he's the best at football on the Packers besides Aaron Rodgers? I don't know, man. Have you watched Kenny Clark lately? I was just talking offense, but sure, you can take it to defense. Oh, well, whatever. definitely. Way to ruin it. Just offense, a hundred percent. We were doing so well, Dusty. You just going screw it all up. I don't know, man. Devontae Adams is really good, but uh, did you watch Lance Kendricks last year? I mean, he's you know, I know he's not with the team anymore, but he's still a possibility. <laughs> so. Lane Taylor was really bringing. Mason Crosby Mason was just Crosby. excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham, like he's good at everything. What can he do? He can block. Um, I heard, I, I don't know. I heard Steve say he could run a better route than Jimmy Graham. So I don't. I would like to see it. <laughs> well, you know, in, in all of my Thanksgiving Day football games that I play once a year, I, I am known as the best route runner in the Perhatch family. 
I can run, man. I run a mean quarter pattern, but then I pull my hamstring on the first one and I'm done. But that first route, boy, oof. No, man, it's all about the button hook. Like, turn, <laughs> just turn, just run and turn, and then it's in your in your belly. Ah, the, the Jackie Harris, cool. All right, I'm, yeah. on, I'm more of the yak as opposed to the <laughs> uh, you know, the double move type. I used to be the double move type. I think those days are behind me between you and me, Stu. <laughs> well, we wanted to end the show, um, kind of give a little preview since this whole article kind of came out again, got me thinking as to, you know, maybe the slot position is filled already, but if you guys had an idea as to one thing that the team, you think the team should do before the draft um, to make them better, it's up to you as to what you wanted to decide. So I know Dusty, you kind of had different thoughts. So why don't you start us off and tell us what you think that what they should or should not do. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of of the mind that they should they should stand pat. I mean, there's you know there's there's things they could do, obviously, but I mean, with the spending spree that they had in free agency, that covered a lot of their holes. Um, it, it, you know, there's there's I hate to kind of put too much on the young guys. I hate to say that EQ is like your starting slot going out because you know he was kind of a late round pick. And what if those guys don't pan out? There's a chance that those guys don't pan out. We've got all this promise kind of linked to them, but but there's a you know there's a decent chance that at least one of those guys doesn't pan. Out. That's without talking about Jamon Moore, who I just absolutely love and think could do a little better this year. But that, I mean, the fact remains we've seen one year of these guys where they showed flashes, you know, except for Moore really, um, and, and we don't know how they're going to pan out. So I, I do think maybe some slot help would be good, but honestly, I think I'd rather just wait for the draft for that. Um, Try to try to get someone that kind of profiles more as a slot guy in the draft, or just it's Lafleur, man. Just get creative. You 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 get creative with that stuff. You're scheming guys open. You're kind of moving guys in and out. You're moving guys around. I mean, I, I kind of I like I like the guys they have now. And though I do think there are other places they could go, I mean, I still don't feel overly comfortable with the safety position. Even I like the Amos signing, but I still don't feel overly comfortable with it. I just I, I kind of was looking at names and nothing really struck me, especially in light of. Um, I know the report was kind of wrong, the Silverstein report, as far as they only have five million in cap space left. They don't. They've got. I think. The, I think the report is probably eight to thirteen million in cap space remaining. Um, I. I don't want them to spend money just to spend money. I think the team is good where it's at. I think they can patch some things in the draft without needing to patch things in the draft. Um, so I'm kind of of the mind that that they should just kind of stand pat where they are, grab best available in the draft, and then just see what shakes. Man, maybe sign someone after that if they feel like they need to. But I. I I'm I, I'm I've been guilty of being optimistic in the past. That's probably what's going on here. But I kind of like the makeup of this squad right now. I feel like I'm just I don't know. I'm just a little concerned about the offensive line right now. Like I just felt like it was shaky at times last season, and we haven't really done much to like fix that. At least like in free agency and then i mean like, um they signed billy turner <laughs> yeah yeah mad mad and generic player billy turner don't you remember sarah exactly yeah. we're gonna solve all the problems all of them right that was what i was hinting a little bit at like i don't think we've done that much to fix that problem but that's just a little concerning to me it's not like a huge like i lose sleep at night over it thing but i'm like I would be like I think about like that position in particular is such a huge jump from the college level to the NFL level. Mm-hmm. So like if we want someone there, I would want someone that's has at least experience in the NFL already. I mean, unless like I don't think we should use one of our like early 
round picks on that position. So uh, I wouldn't want to get late. So I'm just like, I don't know. And then the safety position does concern me too. I really like the signing, but I, I think we need more than that. Like I look at that and I'm like, that's really great. And I was really excited about that. That was probably the signing that I was most excited about, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, okay, he can't do everything. Like he can't do it all on his own. So I feel like that would definitely be a, a position of need in the draft especially, but I don't know. Those are the two things that I, the two areas that I'm kind of just like, hmm, I, I could be more satisfied with that. Okay. Yeah. It all makes sense to me, but I mean, you guys both kind of touched on what I was thinking was the safety position. I would like a little bit more of a ball hawking free safety uh, to like a Trey Boston, something like that. Um, he's still out on the market could be had for, I'm thinking a, a decent, like a, uh, a nice enough price where the Packers could pull the trigger. Um, I know they were, I think it's Campbell that they wanted to potentially bring back um, once he returns from his injury that he suffered with the Packers. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, it's just, there still are like, as much as everybody says, Oh, well they filled, they filled the holes that they need to fill. I still feel like there's a lot of holes left that need to be filled with the draft. So I guess I'm not as optimistic. I think another free safety would help do that. That would kind of free you up to, I know Sarah doesn't like this, but I definitely think they should be within the first three picks picking an offensive lineman. Um, But that's just me. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of different holes, but for me, safety would be the biggest one that they would, I would want them to go after. Yeah. Cause right now, I mean, you're looking at who's the, who's the free safety. Is it, is that it's it's Tremont, right? Yeah. I mean, unless they bring Campbell, I like, I like Campbell, but um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's Tremont, which is not the best ever. Yeah. Yeah. Less than ideal. Yeah. I mean, I will say for offensive line, I mean, I, I I don't mind where they're at this year, but if Bulaga has gone after next year, um, they, they, they need to grab, they need to grab someone that kind of helps. Uh, helps next year because, uh, like you said, Sarah, those guys don't necessarily take immediately. So someone to kind of sit for a little bit, plug where you they, you need to, uh, but kind of just sit and and p- jump in at right tackle next year. Because again, another reason people listen to the podcast, I don't think Jason Spriggs is it. <laughs> I just I don't I don't think he's it. Just, just hard hitting takes. Oh my God. I'm I'm spitting them. I'm telling you guys, I'm I'm on fire today. Dropping Thor's hammer on everybody. I like it. That's right. I like it. Well, I think that'll wrap it up. But before we go, we do have some fun news to break for you guys as far as the Pack-A-Day podcast goes. Uh, After the NFL draft, uh, Dusty, Sarah, and I have all signed on the dotted line because Andy got really drunk one night and told us that he wanted us to do the Thursday edition every single week. So starting in in May, you will hear us every Thursday. Uh, So that's really cool. We're excited to, you know, get to talk to you guys once a week about the Packers. And um, so that's really exciting. And then uh, tomorrow, Sarah and I, and I think Dusty is agree, be, begrudgingly agreed to help us out here, but we're going to be doing a uh, Oreo cookie bracket buster. Um, we're going to break down, I think is the top 16 Oreos. Is that what we decided? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Sarah's doing it. Yeah. She's ambitious. You want to sure. expand to 32, Sarah, you have at it, man. I, 
I don't even know if there's 32 kinds. Well, of we'll do we'll do a little bit of research, but we're going to break out a bracket. We'll hopefully do some uh, polls tomorrow. Uh, have a little fun with it, but uh, to the Oreo cookie commentator, uh, <laughs> please feel free to calculate how much time we spent talking about cookies this week. Hopefully, it wasn't too much for you. <laughs> we did a lot of football. We did a lot of football. We did a lot. <laughs> you, can, you can hear my kid talking. That's adorable, Steve. Yes, that's adorable. I know. I know. Apparently, that's code for we need to go. So. <laughs> <laughs> She heard um, you talking about Oreos, and she was like, yes, Daddy, what do, you, what do you got in there? What's going on for, in there? For Sarah and Dusty, I'm Steve. As always, go Pack Up. Sunday night football in the start of a historic season for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun. Here's the snap. Rushes on. Rodgers nowhere to go, and he's snowed under. Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson, Harris, Khalil Mack, and Rodgers unable to get up. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Down at 19 from the Green Bay 30. Snap to Kaiser under pressure. Immediately dumps it up right side. It's intercepted. Intercepted by Khalil Mack. Circle route to the 15 to the 10. He's to the 5 to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Khalil Max had a sack, fumble recovery, interception return for a touchdown. Nine fourteen to go in the third. Chicago twenty, Green Bay nothing. Wayne, I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing. Well, that's a good sign. Yep, he is. Of the shotgun, snap to A. Rod, looking downfield, throws it over the middle. Randall Cobb is there. Makes a spinning grab just outside the left hash mark. J.K. Scott, Mason Crosby. Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. And it is good. So the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third. Snap to A-Rod looking around and waiting. Lofts it. Deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone. Makes a spectacular catch. Touchdown. What a throw. And what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Geronimo Allison. Corey Lindsley on the snap. Four-man line for the Bears. They're coming out of blitz up the middle. They pick it up. Rodgers looks. Lost. Left side. Got a man out there. Got a to Rodgers under a blitz. Rodgers tight pocket steps up, throws a left, got Devontae inside the 10, head back, cuts left to the 5, reaches Pylon, and touchdown! Oh, what a play by Devontae Adams! Snap to A-Rod, rushes on, has time, looking close, middle, yes. got it He 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.